Welcome to City on a Hill's podcast. This week's podcast can be downloaded on iTunes or our media library at chccny.com. Look up and bless you and thank you for the covering that you are in our lives. We thank you that you are that refuge, the high tower that we can run into, that our enemies can't find us, Lord. Thank you for the covering we have in the body of Christ. Thank you, Lord. Just, just as surely as Noah took his family into that ark, we just bless you for your body, for your people, for your church. We just bless you, Lord, for the safe place, for the place that we find in you, Lord. The place we find in your purposes and the place we find in your word, the place we find in your spirit, Lord. Father, we just ask you tonight for that covering over each and every one of us. You're the one who knows all about the storms in the room. You're the one that speaks to the storms, Lord. And you hear. And we just reject and refuse every single power that would want to that would want to obscure the truth that you're here and every single religious power and spirit Lord that would want to uh, cover us and uh, Father keep us from understanding and living in the reality of your your presence tonight and the power of your spirit here tonight Father we know that just like you can't walk into a river the second place same place twice. We recognize that tonight's the only night we'll ever live, we'll ever be just the way it is tonight. That I'll ever be just who I am, where I am tonight, Lord. Lord, I just was apprehended as I walked through those doors. There'll be a day that we won't walk through those doors anymore. Life just doesn't go on forever. And yet we live in a kind of a a mindset that we kind of think that things will forever be the way they are at this moment. But Lord, we ask you that you'll break open the curtains just a little bit tonight for us, Lord. Start to part the curtains. Lord, we recognize that there is, that your power is around us. We recognize, Lord, that there's a battle that's going on around us as well. Father, I I can't even, I'm sure that if I passed this mic around tonight, I'd hear an awful lot of struggles and battles and, and a lot of feelings in the room, Lord, a lot of sense of, uh, of, of being overwhelmed in some cases, but Lord, we're asking you tonight that as we come together around your word, Lord, we're asking you for your victory and your power to be released in this place and that your peace that we were singing about would really, Father, be loosed. Father, we thank you that as we gather around your word, your word is living and active and, Father, able to discern the soul and the spirit that your your word has power and the same words that had power to Moses has power to us tonight, Lord. And the same word that had power to Joshua has power to us tonight here, Lord. Your word isn't a dead word. It's not a word, Lord, that, uh, Father, that just was spoken and then ceases to, to live. Lord, we bless you and praise you that your word has power. Lord, we thank you for all the scriptures of the world. We thank you for the Shakespeare's and we thank you for the classics. And, Father, for all the works of, of man that have touched us. But Father, we declare tonight that we don't know one word from Shakespeare that ever delivered an alcoholic. We don't know one word, Father, from the classics that ever mended a marriage, oh God. They may have touched us. They may have spoken to us. But Father, that's not your word is a word of power and deliverance, a word that sets us free, a word that, Father, renews us and enlivens us. So, Father, we just want to thank you for your word tonight, Lord. We want to thank you. We thank you, Lord, that when you open your mouth and your word goes forth, Lord, no man 
can stop your word. We thank you, Lord, that no man can stop your, your purposes and your powers. We thank you that you are the God of history, Lord. And we thank you that nothing can stop your plans and purposes. Not for our lives and not for this, for this globe. Lord, not for our country. Lord, and, uh, with, unless, Lord, we allow it. So, Father, tonight we just want to bless you for your word tonight. And we ask you to loose it among us. Loose it among us. Holy Spirit, come and take government of this time. Angels, of, we ask you to release your angels tonight in this place, Lord. We ask you to release your angels to do battle for each and every one of us in this place. Give us, give us, an, Lord, we step into your anointing tonight. You may be seated, folks. We step into your anointing tonight, Lord. For my words and for, for speaking and for hearing tonight. We live in a dry, we live in a dry country, in a dry land. And we're asking you for your water to flow tonight, Lord. We're asking you, Lord, for your anointing to open our eyes to see you again. take your victory for this time tonight, Lord. And we thank you. We believe you ordained it. We believe you're here. And we believe that you're speaking to the church. And we ask you, Lord, and we thank you in advance for doing just that in our midst tonight. In your blessed name. Amen and amen. Amen. Hill houses, huh? How many Hill House leaders are there here tonight? How many facilitators are there? One, two, three, four, five, six. Awesome. Great. Well, it's good to see you, and I thank you. If anybody wants uh, some coffee, you can bring it to your seat. Thank you for coming tonight on our invitation, our rather late invitation. Um, Somebody's phone's on, right? Oh. <laughs> oh, of course. Throw my grandson in the mix. Now you know I can't. Now what am I supposed to say, right? Uh, let me just open with a verse. Because those of you that have been around here for a while know that I'm always, I never really know where I'm exactly going. I do want you to know tonight, I really do appreciate you coming, and I, I want you to know that we did ask you to come because uh, I really am carrying a burden that I, I really need God to help me with tonight, and uh, I appreciate you coming to hear, and uh, uh, I'm expecting God to meet us. You know, I'm thinking about John the Gospel of John, and, and listen to this, what John says to us. When he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will tell you things to come. You know, I think I just want to start tonight with this question. Is Bible prophecy relevant? We talk about the power, you know, of the Word of God. But, you know, according to who you ask, the Bible is filled with, some people say, 29, 30% of the Bible is prophecy. Is prophecy. And I think what I want to start is just take a few minutes to even just talk about um, what, what does prophecy, what does that word even engender when you hear it? 
Well, let me start by saying when you're talking about Bible prophecy, we can just start by saying um, the subject really undoes some people. Because to most people, when we're talking about prophecy, uh, it means telling of the future. And, of course, that is part of it. Um, And, you know, as people, we're really intrigued with knowing the future. It's what keeps all the astrologers and the palm readers and the crystal gazers and the psychics and the mediums and all the deluge and the resurgence of this that we that's never dies but what we see just all around us and we see it as a, as a part of uh, a man man has a great desire to look into the future um, and of course uh, it, it gets such a hold on people I mean even intelligent, educated people um, I've seen get so bitten by this desire to see the future that um, it, 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 really is a, it really is a very, um, it's a web. But Bible prophecy has a danger as well. And uh, if you've been around the people of God for any amount of years, you would know that there has been a, there has been always strange groups with strange interpretations of the Bible that have, uh, um, you know, broadcasted, you know, prophecies, um, mostly that were wrong. You know, do you remember how many of you were around for, what was it, 1988, September 8th, 1988, the Lord was supposed to return. Wasn't that September 8th? You know, so... There has been so many, um, you know, of these kind of things that have, for many people, have totally and completely uh, let, made them shut down in, in, with, in, internally because they were so, forget it. I don't want anything to do with it. I personally believe the devil had a lot to do with that. I think the devil has planned it. Um, and, uh, and devised it to do exactly, to do exactly that. So we can always, that's always one, that's always something that we need to, I think there's some real safeguards. I think certainly the body of Christ. Um, uh, I, I, mostly the body of Christ and, and, and knowing the word of God and, and, um, together discerning the Lord's mind is so essential. But there's another danger that's the exact opposite. And that danger is cynicism. Because some of us have been exposed to things that didn't happen and some crazy people that said crazy things, people got set up to just absolutely decide that they were going to not go there anymore. You know, and, and I have to tell you that I've come a long way in my own t- um, journey. Um, because I, I had my own times in my own walk where I felt like, you know what? I'm just going to walk with God and love him and do as best I know what he tells me to do. And I'm leaving that for other people. It's too scary. Besides, who understands it? And anybody else in here ever been there? Yeah, well, I, well, I've been there. But I want to tell you how drastically God is turning me around. Now, if you have known, some of you I don't know as long as others, of course. But Joe and I came to the Lord in 1973. Was having no, uh, no, having no way of knowing. Uh, coming Catholic kids that never read a Bible in their lives. No understanding of the Bible, certainly no understanding of the purposes of God. Had no understanding. What, a, what a, an amazing time we came into the kingdom. We had no idea the catastrophic 
the catastrophic event that happened in 1948, two years after I was born, with the refinding, with the with the replanting of the olive tree, with the nation of Israel coming back, and to see all the prophecies in the Bible about how I mean, right back to Moses saying that these people would be scattered to the ends of the earth, and yet there'd be a day that God would bring them back, and after. Thousands of years, they came back. I mean, it, you know, we all get so familiar with the Word of God that it, and maybe God himself, that we, we, we cease to be awed. And, and did I know that in 1968, am I right? 48? And 68, when Jerusalem, 68, 60, 67, uh, Jerusalem would be taken back um, under the wings of Israel. Jerusalem. You'll never see a day in the newspapers from now until forever where you will not see Jerusalem in the newspaper. This is a Jer Jerusalem-centric era that we are entering into. And so, as I said, you know, the danger is becoming cynical. You know, people say, uh, you know, you, you've heard it all, and I'm going to just barely touch it tonight, because I'm not going to be talk, talk really telling you exactly what I think of where we are. I, if, you, if you think tonight I'm going to kind of lay out a um, sequence of what I think is going to be happening in the end times that could be disappointing because I'm not going there at all. Not nor do I, nor could I. And most of the people that I look to, I mean, I haven't found too many people that really agree with each other. I'm not really sure that that's really the bottom line for us to really start at. I think that there are a few things that Jesus made really, really clear in reference to the end times. But I certainly think. I certainly think that as a country, um, we are headed into um, rough waters. Um, as I said, we came to the Lord in, in 1973, and, I, and, I'll, and I'll be honest with you, we came into the Lord, we had some great teachers, Lance Lambert was one, Derek Prince was another one of my fathers. and. Uh, Understanding um, prophecy and understanding kind of the term we called end times was something that has been in my heart and in my, has lived in me ever since I've been born again. I've always known, you know, that uh, the time was imminent. And people said, well, yeah, well, that was 1973. Yeah, that's right. I look how, that was only a few decades ago. How many decades ago? I mean, I mean, when you're thinking about this is something that has been waited for for thousands of years, I can tell you that most of us that came into the kingdom during that time, um, this was something that we just, we breathed just like the air. And, and then, um, you know, you're often going to hear, well, you know, every, every generation thought they were the generation that Jesus was going to come back on. I, you know, and then I started to hear things like this, and I thought, hmm. And of course, it's true. M many generations, um, th it was true. There were people that, uh, if you lived in World War II, and you looked at some of the things that were going on, and you looked in, you know, the horrible um, generations of t t wars and all kinds of wars and what people have been through, certainly people thought that. But I'll tell you one thing. That's not what the Bible's talking about, in my estimation. There may have been a small, few, little group of people that thought the Lord was coming back, but that's not, I don't think, what the Bible's talking about. I think the Bible is talking about a sustained movement that increases and increases with the sense and with the, not only the sense, but the conviction that 
things have changed and, and, and that time is really coming to the closer and closer imminently to the end of this age. Now, again, I'm not here to tell you that I know when that's going to take place. I don't know. People that I respect think it is like around the corner. And people I respect think it may be a few decades away. I don't know. But I am here tonight to say to you, as one of your shepherds, I can tell you that for me, while this has always been in my heart, something has accelerated big time within my spirit. I mean, big time. If you ask some of the people that are some leaders in this church, we met last spring, we talked about burdens, and I, and I remember saying to them in springtime, my burden is to get to the church a greater understanding of prophetic, prophetic understanding and also the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And all I can tell you is, every month, every week, that seems to grow in me in a greater and greater way. Therefore, we are constrained to be obedient to the Lord and to, and to discharge this burden um, to tell you Again, I don't know, none of us do, and again, I don't know anybody who does. Uh, but I do think that there are some misconceptions that the enemy is trying to and has woven around us as the people of God that we're not supposed to go there. And don't you remember, we're not supposed to know the day or the hour, but we are supposed to know season. Jesus was very, very clear about that. I'm not really here to start tonight. Tonight is like really in, an intro because I intend to continue this by bringing in, um, I'll talk when I, when I feel, but I'm also going to bring in once a month on a Wednesday night, I'm going to start bringing in some people whose teachings um, uh, I feel like I want us to see, and we're going to bring some of these people up. They're not, they're not all going to agree with each other, but I believe I have never known a person, listen to me, who lived in the sense that the Lord's return was near, that wasn't more prayerful, wasn't more, didn't want holiness more, that... Uh, didn't um, make sure their relationships were right, weren't bigger givers. I can't, the Bible says that he who has this hope in him purifies himself. So I want to say to you, however long it is before the Lord returns, I believe that the Lord wants us to, I believe, first of all, let me say this, I believe we're living on the precipice of tough times. Did I say that? Have I said it to you a thousand times as I stand up to this mic? I think I have. But I think that, I think that time is going to tell us in a few years, because I'm saying in the next few years, and I, I know I'm not the only one. And you've been hearing about the blood moons, and, 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 and you know what? Those are some men I respect that are speaking about, if you haven't, how many of you have never heard about the blood moons and all the talk about the tetric, you know, the tetrarchs. The, no, you see, most of us have all heard about it. Do you know CNN? Um, be gl I'd be glad to talk a little bit with you, Debbie, about it. Do you know CNN actually did a documentary on it? Because they had to. <laughs> because there's so many people talking about it. And didn't I ask you on Sunday, and can I ask you again in this kind of more relaxed atmosphere, how many of you, well, let me ask it this way. How many of you have a gut feeling that's telling you something is changing in the world we're living? Hmm, look around at this room. I'm really, you know, I, you know, I'm totally convinced in our years of ministry that we really never get up here as preachers and really tell the body of Christ anything. 
you know what? We just confirm to the body of Christ what the Spirit's already been saying to you. How many of you have heard people within your ears tell you that maybe aren't Christians have said to you, what is going on? Something is, how many of you have heard people, look, look around the room. We are being stirred. We are being stirred. Now, I want to tell you, I think this tough times, but I also think we're in for some awfully great times. I'm not here to just tell you the bad news and say, you know, well, you know I'm not talking, but let's not all, you know, let's all get in a bunker somewhere, you know. And, and like I said, there's a lot of crazy people that have made people feel like I don't want anything to do with that spiritual prophecy stuff. But brothers and sisters, prophecy is... Well, let me tell you what prophecy is. First of all, I, as I asked, I started out by saying to you, we all kind of have different ideas maybe when I ask you what you think prophecy is. And we don't want to be those people who are cynical. Uh, um, we're all, you know, actually, the Apostle Peter actually refers to people that think like that. Let me read you. Uh, let me read you what Peter says. Hmm. Mm, I'm going to have to find it. Sorry about that. Peter just basically goes on and says, um, why don't I find it in the Word then instead of doing that? Huh? I try to print out my scriptures so I don't have to do this. Well, basically, uh, okay, if you're used to me, you know I do that all the time. Peter says that there'll be mo in the last days there'll be scoffers. And that these scoffers will say, things have al we've always heard about this, about him coming back. We've heard about this. We've heard about this. And ever since the beginning of time, things have just gone on the way they are. Well, it's one thing to have scoffers in the world. But there are scoffers in the church. And, and I, I, I think that people have gotten there because of what I said earlier, because of crazy things they heard. But tonight I want us to, I want us to just take a quick look at um, a few reasons why we've got to battle that power. If I had my way... Well, let me just tell you where I'm going tonight, where I'm going to end up, and then I believe that tonight's a defining moment in this church. I want to tell you it's a defining moment for me, because I believe that from this time on, my ministry is changing. I believe that God has called me to be a watchman among many watchmen. That means someone who is devoted to watching and praying and being available to God for him to do that. I want to, make, I want to change priorities in my life and give more time to be able to do that. And you know what I want to do? I want to raise up people that have the same call to be watchmen. That's what I really want to do. Because, and I'm all out of order for my notes, but if you know me, I do it all the time. I don't know how to get back there, but I believe that as the days get darker, I believe that there will be, and I am not alone in this, there will be pockets of people, Christians, that are watching and praying together, that are getting a hold of God, and while tough things are happening, God, that they will actually be standing and believing God for their plot their land, the place God has put them, that they can believe God for protection and for sufficiency and provision in their area. Does anybody believe that with me? Can you believe that Jesus said in Matthew 24, Matthew 24, Luke 21, Mark 13, you should know all of those. Those are what Jesus spoke the most about the second coming. And Jesus said a most interesting thing. He said, 
in speaking about those that would be in Judea, he was talking to those in Israel, and he said, pray that your journey, in other words, when the, when the Antichrist is now ascended, and pray that your journey is not on the Sabbath, is not on the Sabbath, and, oh, I'm missing the other word, it's not on the Sabbath, something else. In other words, stop for a minute. Oh, pray that you're not with child and that it's not the Sabbath. I think. Stop for a minute. Are you going to tell me that prayer has that kind of influence on, Jesus, on God? Do you know he says pray that you may be worthy to escape what's coming? Wait a minute. Are you going to tell me that prayer has that much effect and power? Well, I'm not going to tell you, but the master told you. And I want to tell you that the devil is so interested in keeping us afraid of this topic, keeping us, keeping us cynical about this topic, keeping us ignorant about this topic. He is so interested because uh, when we start to have a better understanding of what really the Word of God tells us, and we start to really pray with power, I want to tell you the devil is not interested in the, as the body of Christ coming out of the sleepwalk that most of us are battling day in and day out, if we'd really be honest. Brothers and sisters, the Bible's quite clear. The Bible, when it talks about the end times, it talks about all kinds of people. It talks about scoffers. It talks about the complacent. It talks about the lukewarm. It talks about those that watch and pray. And it talks about overcomers. And I'm asking you and I'm asking me tonight, where does that put you? Where does that put me right now in my life? On a scale of 1 to 10, was there ever a day in your life when you were more hot for Jesus than you are now? A lot of us would probably say yes. I believe that God is sending out a wake-up call. The book of Joel. God, Joel said, God said, blow the trumpet in Zion. Now, they were in the middle of a, of a locust invasion. And all the scholars differ about Joel. You know, they all have different things to say about whether it was literally, was it literally insects? Was it an army that was coming in? You know, we don't, even need, we don't even need to know that. All we need to know is that scholars do say that this probably happened over 20 or 30 years, that Joel was sounding the trumpet. And you know what happens when God sounds the trumpet? When God raises up prophets to say, wake up, body of Christ, come out of your immorality, Stop sleeping around. Come out of your drunkenness. Stop stealing. Stop, stop blank. You put anything in you need. To. I mean, somebody gave me stats that I wish I, I wish I'd written down. I didn't. Do you know the porn industry makes more money a year than Amazon and eBay? And uh, it went through about five of your top companies. It blew me away. I, I, I need to find out if it's really accurate, but I bet it is accurate. And that's not to put people down that may have been trapped into that. But I'm saying it's time wherever we are, wherever you are and wherever I am. And if you, if you call us shepherds in your life, then your shepherds are telling you tonight, tonight, to, this is the time to get your life together with God. It's getting too, tomorrow may be too late. This is the time to pray. This is the time to study God's word. This is the time to turn the television off. You know, Joe and I were watching a series. What did they call it? The pol political one. The politics. House of Cards. Anybody see it? Well, I like politics, and so does Joe. And it was pretty calm in the beginning. You know, there was no really... The first series, it wasn't our, you know, was no our stuff going on. So we were pretty cool about it. 
Then we went to the second season. Anybody know what I'm going to say? Yeah, you're gonna, you know what I'm going to say. And then Kevin Spacey walks into a church and spits in the face of the crucifix. And it's, it, I don't know whether it fell or he kicked it. I don't remember. Joe and I looked at each other, stunned. Got up, turned the television off. I, can, I don't know that I'll ever be able to look at Kevin's face again. Brothers and sisters, the tsunami of filth and violence that is covering our country, parents, teachers, this is not a day to live without prayer. When the Supreme Court, did you hear today that that Kentucky clerk, yeah, she's going to jail because she refused, she refused to give out a, a marriage certificate to a gay couple. And if you had any idea the power, excuse me for pointing, the power that's coming against pastors not to say this, not to get up in our pulpits and speak against this, this Supreme Court Amendment. And I'm telling you, I'm done with it. I'm done with it. I'm done with it. We're not out to hurt people, and we love everybody. But I'm telling you, we're putting our stake in the ground, and I don't know where it'll lead us, but you know what? We're done with being politically correct Pastors, I'm, we're talking to pastors. You've got to hear them. We're done. We've tried to be make nice, and the world didn't care. They, they hated us more. The world needs to look at us, and the world needs to see there's something in us. The world is just laughing at us while we're trying to have, you know, um, we're trying to be make nice with them. I say the day is over. I say the day's over, and the day's over in this community. I heard something about ISIS. We heard somewhere on a radio program, I think, that ISIS has infiltrated every single church in the United States. And I thought, oh my gosh, is there somebody sitting on Sunday that he's infiltrated us with? I mean, this is the spirits of fear that are just surrounding us. I mean, I don't know if the church, how, what, where's the church going to be in five years and ten years from now, should the Lord tarry? Are we going to have to go underground? I mean, they're out to take our tax-exempt status away. You know that's happening. You know that's around the corner, right? I say that to say there's a change in the wind. And we've been called to the kingdom for just such a time as this. Did you hear me? You've been called to the kingdom for just such as this, this time. Brothers and sisters, it is my job to tell you the gray area is gone. It's either white or black, and you're either with Jesus or you're not with Jesus. There's not going to be any ground in the middle anymore. And if you're sitting here today and saying, I don't know, bless your heart. You've got time to change that. I don't know that there's anybody in this room. I can't imagine to be somebody in this room who says, you know what, I'm just everywhere I need to be. I'm just all together. I just, you know, well. Let me tell you something. In my estimation, you know, we all, even Pastor Tom did such a good job. Don't you just love Pastor Tom? Isn't he the best? But he talked about the fear of God on Sunday, and certainly we know what he means. Certainly the fear of God is not, we don't have the, slavish kind of fear against uh, of him. He's our father, and he loves us. But, but, he's a king that hates what's going on. He hates human trafficking. He hates the millions 
of babies that are being boarded every year. And he hates it. We need to hate it too. Now we've got this Iran deal that our president got through. People don't even know what's in it yet. Last thing I heard was, oh, I meant to copy Joel Rosenberg's thing on it. It was good. Last, one thing I heard of it, of it was that I, we are committed now to Iran, that if Iran goes to, to war with Israel, that we will, back, uh, we will back Iran. Did anybody hear this? Yeah, I did. Now, let's, you know what? I heard it. Let's, but you know what? It's so hard to decipher who's telling. The, I mean, you could go, go ahead and try to find that out. We, w we won't know that till gosh only knows how one will find that out. Did you hear it? People tell us, I, I've heard from people that know, know such things, that tell us if we had any idea what we don't know, that our, our government knows. Do you know this thing about Bobby Jindal? You know Bobby Jindal, governor of um, Louisiana, right? Louisiana governor and potential presidential candidate Bobby Jindal sent a letter to the governors of the 49 other U.S. states inviting them to participate in the national prayer gathering that he has organized in Baton Rouge this Saturday. This was, in the, this was the January of this year. Um, a copy of this was sent to... In the letter, Jindal states that America, our great nation, is in need and has called on the governors to come participate in an apolitical gathering for a solemn assembly and worship. Not a day of prayer, a solemn assembly. Look, look up the book of Joel. That's what God tells you to do when you're in trouble. When, when a country is in trouble, we're, we're gonna, we maybe have time to look at it real quickly tonight. Call a solemn assembly, blow the trumpet and call a solemn assembly. And that's what this man did. You know, he was a Hindu who converted to Christ when he was a young man. His parents are still Hindus. Um, at the event, Jindal writes that worshipers will call on our great creator to intervene on behalf of our people and nation. The prayer rally, which has been named the, the response, a call to prayer for a nation in crisis, will take place. Um, tells us where, the home of the Louisiana State University basketball team, blah, blah, blah. The worship event is scheduled. Okay, there will only be one name lifted up that day, Jesus. Jindal wrote, there will be no politicians giving speeches and no preachers pontificating. Jindal's letter also provided the governors with the biblical reminder of the necessity of prayer from 2 Chronicles 7.14. If my people, who are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray, seek my face, turn from their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven, I'll forgive their sin, and heal their land. Jindal also quoted Joel 7.14, declare a holy fast, call a solemn assembly, summon the elders and all who live in the land to the house of the Lord your God, and cry out to the Lord. Cry out. This is a governor. Likewise, I believe now is the time for us to have a similar posture of humility, honesty, and honor before the Lord on behalf of our nation, Jindal asserts. We need an appeal to heaven for heaven's intervention. We need a spiritual revival. We've exhausted all alternatives. It's time to turn back to God to get the United States back on path, the right path again. Well, people say, well, if the darkness is just going to increase, why bother to pray just for the reasons I told you? I believe that God will honor. Hmm. I have a list that I think I can find quickly. Do you know how many times watching 
is, is mentioned in the Bible in reference to the end times. Matthew 24, 42, watch therefore, for you do not know what hour your Lord is coming. Matthew 25, 1, 13, watch therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour in which the Son of Man is coming. Mark 13, 9, but watch out for yourselves, for they will deliver you up to councils, and you'll be beaten in the synagogues. You'll be brought before rulers and kings for my sake for a testimony of them. Mark 13, 33, take heed, watch and pray, for you do not know when the time is. Mark 13, 34, it's like a man going to a far country who left his house and gave authority to his servants and to each his work and commanded the doorkeeper to watch. Mark 13, 35, watch therefore, for you do not know when the master of the house is coming, in the evening, at midnight, at the crowing of the rooster, or in the morning. Mark 13, 37, and what I say to you, I say to all, watch. Luke 21, 36, watch therefore and pray always that you may be counted worthy to escape all those things that will come to pass and to stand before the Son of Man. 1 Thessalonians 5, 6, therefore let us not sleep as others do, but let us watch and be sober. Revelation 16, 15, behold, I'm coming as a thief. Blessed is he who watches and keeps his garments, lest he walk naked and see his shame. Do you get the idea that we're supposed to watch? One Thessalonians five one. But concerning the times and the seasons, brethren, Paul said, You have no need that I should write to you. For you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so comes as a thief in the night. For when they say peace and safety, then sudden destruction comes upon them as labor pains upon a pregnant woman, and they shall not escape. But you, brethren, now do you hear what he just said? He just said that the Lord's coming is going to be like a thief in the night, right? But then he says, but you, brethren, are not in the darkness, so this day should overtake you as a thief because you're sons of light and sons of the day, and we're not of the night nor of the darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as others do, but let us watch and be sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk are drunk at night. Did you hear what the Bible just told us? You know how people say you're never going to know when it is. So you're not going to have any idea. He's coming like a thief in the night. Paul said, but not to you, not to Christians. We're not going to know the day or the hour. But what he's saying is it's not, shouldn't take you totally by surprise. You shouldn't have the loss that you will have if you were asleep and didn't have any idea of the time. Do you know Jesus said nothing good to the people who missed him the first time? He said to them, you, you look in the sky and you can predict what the weather's going to be, but you can't discern the day that you're living in. He sat up on, uh, on a mountain and said, and looked at Jerusalem and he said, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, I would have covered you like a hen, her chicks, and you, but you wouldn't let me. And now you missed the day of your visitation. What does that mean? It means you should have been awake. You should have known my word told you I was coming. There were so many specific scripture verses that he'd be born in Bethlehem, born of a virgin. I mean, you could go on and on and on, and they totally missed him. And God didn't even go out to get a forerunner in Jerusalem out of the priests. He went into the wilderness to get John, Bap John the Baptist. He couldn't even get anybody in Jerusalem, probably. They missed him. And there are many, many more scripture verses about his second coming than there were about his first coming. Tons more. Brothers and sisters, God is a God of history. Do you know that we are a prophetic people as the people of God? Do you know what that means? The testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. 
And the revelation tells us that the churches are depicted like lampstands. Remember? He goes into all the churches and he says, this I have against you, this I, am, I commend you for. And he says to each one of the churches, and he says, and if you don't repent, I'm taking your, lamps, your lamp away. In other words, we are a light in the darkness. We are a prophetic people. The world is supposed to come in and we're supposed to discern in our midst what history is saying about the day we're living in. They're supposed to come in and when they're confused and they don't know what's going on, they're supposed to come to the church and the church is supposed to say, let me tell you, let me tell you what's going on and let me tell you how you can get safe. Let me tell you how you can, how you can get covered and protected. But what happens when the world walks in and the church doesn't know what's going on? And we don't have answers for the world. We say, I don't know. I don't know. It's all, it's all falling to pot. I don't have a clue. God is a God of history. He's a God of purpose. And God's purposes will be accomplished. Nothing will stop God's purposes from being accomplished. And we need to be people that come out of our sleeping and God wants us to wake up. Now, I don't know what wake up means to you tonight. But you and I need to ask God, what does waking up mean to me personally? Brothers and sisters, we've got America. Oh, don't let me get started. Pray for me right now, saints. Pray for me. I can feel myself losing it. We've got people using this Bible all over this country to make themselves happy, to get God to do what they want God to do in every... Listen, day's over. He is the king, and he's coming back as a king, and every knee is going to bow. You want to know why? You say, God, why don't you do something? I'll tell you why he doesn't do anything. Because God has to wait for the cup of sin to be filled. God has to stand back, and you say, God, step in and do something. No. He's got to let humanity fill that cup so when his judgment comes, nobody can say he didn't have cause because the vileness and the sin, let's not even go into Planned Parenthood. Let's not even, I can't even, it's hard to get the words out of my mouth, the pictures, the images of what's going on behind closed doors, brothers and sisters, how can God just let America continue like this? Who do we think we are shaking our finger in his face after his goodness to us? America is in trouble. And when God, when a country is in trouble, a nation is in trouble, God warns, he brings prophets, and you know, what, you know what we do to prophets, don't you? Yeah, we ignore them, we stone them. Oh, Jerusalem, you stone the prophets. We do the same thing. Now, I'm not saying everybody out there that calls himself a prophet is a prophet, but America is in trouble. And I don't know, Jonathan Kahn, I, I think he's a man of God. And we're hearing the warning coming from him and some others. I don't know that I have quite the same feeling that it's going to be quite as... Uh, I think that what he's saying is the truth. I think even the stock market is showing us these last few weeks. I think we're now starting to see whether this is the Shemitah actually... This is the process. I don't know. I don't know. But certainly... Let's look. I mean, Iran's deal, the stock market. I mean, let's look around. The violence. How many policemen were killed this week? Does anybody know? My brother, do you know how many policemen were killed? 16 since when? 16 offices since August. Sorry. Such a lawless spirit such a spirit. Noah, it was violence. And it, just like in the days of Noah, God said they were there, what they did, what they did was the, every thought in their head 
with evil. All America, America. I never did get to my notes. I really did want to talk about prophecy a little bit more. I wanted to tell you that prophecy, and, and I guess this is just an introduction. I'll get back to this. Prophecy isn't always, you know, it isn't always telling the future. Prophecy is also, prophets have stood up and said, they talk about the past, and they come in and they explain what just happened. A prophet in the present can tell you, you know, God says, if you do thus and such, he will do thus and such. Remember Jehoshaphat? They were surrounded by the armies. I think it was Assyrian armies. They were surrounded by the Assyrians. And they fasted and prayed, and a prophet rose up and said, you know, put out the praises first. In other words, God gives direction in that moment. Prophecy is all a prophetic uh, word is also a word in the present for God to speak. Now, isn't it funny? I'm sorry. I don't know what to do with some of my brothers and sisters in the body of Christ that do not believe the prophetic. Are you going to tell me that God spoke to people from, from uh, Abraham to Paul, but now uh, he stopped talking to people, uh, stopped talking to people any other way uh, prophetically? Uh, especially as the days grow closer to the end and it gets uh, in that, uh, when it gets that bad and God's just saying, oh, well, you know, I talked to them, but I mean, we need the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives and we need the gift of the gifts of the Spirit and we need the gift of prophecy in our midst and we need to heed, we need to heed the prophetic word. Two Peter one nineteen. We also have the prophetic word made more sure, made more sure. That's Peter saying that. That after all the years, that that prophecy was already fulfilled in the coming of Jesus. He's saying we, we've had so many more reasons to understand how sure the word of God is. The prophecies were which you do well to heed. Would you say that with me? Which you do well to heed, as a light that shines in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your heart. These are people that have seriously taken the word of God. Serious, the prophetic word is a light in the darkness. Okay, I'm going to start wrapping up because this is really an intro and I don't want to keep you late. And I've, there's so much, like, uh, as I said, this is what we'd like to do. I think we're going to just do a few more minutes of worship. And this is what I'm asking you. Did I tell you that once a month I'm going to bring in some people, videos of people that I think have something to say? They're going to, I did tell you that. They're going to disagree with each other, but that's not the point. I believe, I don't want to walk out of here tonight and drop this and then say, okay, carry on. I, as a community, I want us to cultivate an attitude and a culture of watching and praying. As a community, I want us, it may be a little flicker in you, but as we start to get to read and study the word more and listen to some of the people at Please, when I say listen to some of the people, it's good to do things in the context of the body. Because there, there still are some people that I would say kind of like, you know. I mean, but studying God's word, listening some of the prophetic uh, people that God's raised up, you, you start to light a fire in you. And it starts to give you a hunger to be holier. A hunger to get your life in order. Listen, parents, you're about to start a new school year. I know. Listen, if we think it's going to be easy to, to fight against the culture and all the priorities and all the powers that are going to fight to keep us on a treadmill that just keeps God and his word and, and fellowship and all the rest. Listen, anybody here know what I'm talking about? I mean, it's a battle we're in. We need each other desperately. 
That's why I'm doing this Wednesday night once a month. We'll have prayer intercession another Wednesday night. And that's going to be, we're just going to be, whoever feels to come, we're going to be praying. We're just going to be praying. We're going to step up prayer in this church. Is everybody okay with that? We're going to step up prayer. And I'm asking you to do what I'm asking me to do. Step up prayer in your own life. Step up prayer in our homes. And let's step up prayer in this community. And then I'm asking. I'm asking those of you. I want you to think and pray. If God's asking you to take seriously a call to be a watchman. What does that entail? It entails watching and praying. And we'll gather with those that feel this. And we'll talk more about what exactly that means in our lives. But if you've heard anything tonight, you know, we just don't want to go home and know that we didn't deliver this to our flock. It's a time for servants. Does anybody have a witness to this time in their spirit? that looks like always. But I know one thing. Is there anybody here that doesn't feel that they can be a lot more hot in their life for God than they are now? I doubt it. We're going to worship. And if you feel to come up and just make this an altar for you before the Lord, and whatever you heard the Lord say, we're going to open the altar to do that. And then I will uh, be letting you know uh, the times that were the, the Wednesday, Joe and I will be away starting Tuesday for about 10 days. When we come back, I intend to, uh, I will let you know. Uh, somehow Rachel and Joanna rigged me up some blog. And I don't know anything about it, but I'm going to be, uh, they're going to tell me how to do this. And I'm going to be using it for this, these purposes to be talking to you and giving you as they come to me in thoughts. We can't do this alone. Turn to the person next to you and say, you can't do this alone. We need each other. Replace the lamp of my first love that burns with holy fear. Yeah. Amen. 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 Light the fire that once burned bright and, and burned with holy fear. I think that that's what God's calling us to, saints. Certainly not condemnation. I think that we're on the precipice of such a revival. And when things start going down around us, people are going to want answers. 
and they're gonna people are gonna run to you and they're gonna run to the church and we're gonna see I believe an amazing harvest an amazing harvest so this is an exciting time God chose us to be born in this particular period of time right want to go all the way. He who endures to the end shall be saved. That doesn't mean saved from hell. It means endurance. I want to be all. I want to answer the call. And I know you do as well. And we want that light to burn in this place, in this community, in this group of people. And we want a living. You know what the church is? It's, it's people that are living, connected to God and connected to Religious services and nobody's connected at all. So we want we want the Holy Spirit to have His absolute preeminence in this place. We want Jesus to truly be comfortable and at home, Lord. We want You to be comfortable and at home here among us, Lord. Come, look at us, see us, look at our hearts, Lord. Father, we're crying out for Your mercy. First for ourselves, God be merciful. God help us. Grace us, Lord. Grace us to turn from the things you're asking us to turn from and to turn to you. Father, when you ask us to get up in the night to sit and wait on you and to pray, oh God, let us respond and be faithful to you. When you tell us not to say that, not to put that program on, for our president, our Congress, the Senate, and everyone who holds an office in this place. We pray for a spirit of conviction and repentance to fall on each and every one. Lord, we pray for revival to come. Father, whether that uh, means, uh, whatever that means to America, we still want, we want revival in the midst. Father, we, we hear the prophets telling us that judgment, that you have no recourse but to bring judgment. Father, we cry that in the midst of judgment, remember mercy. Father, we cry out to you tonight. podcast. For more resources, visit us at chccny.com.